0: The Lord of the Lord be with you. With you. Uh, my name is Joel Rocky. Uh, if you've been here before, you may have seen me up here leading music from time to time. Um, today, I'm standing up here as one among you and um, as a participant in our, uh, our college of preachers, um, our cohort of preachers that we have here at the table. And I'll be proclaiming good news among you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him, and he will bring justice to the nations. He will not shout or cry out or raise his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. In faithfulness, he will bring forth justice. He will not falter or be discouraged till he establishes justice on earth and in his teaching the islands will put their hope. Friends, today we proclaim this good news that the lonely and the broken and the vulnerable are not cast out of the kingdom of God. We have a good and gentle king who stands with us in our weakness so that we can stand with him and participate fully in the life of God. Amen. Guys, so I am a stay-at-home dad slash self-employed artist slash seminary student slash <laughs> if you come to my house, I'll make you a real good cup of coffee. And uh, I am getting ready to start my final year in the master's program that I've been in the last three years at Christian Theological Seminary here in Indianapolis, and I am both excited that I will hopefully be done in a year and terrified at entering into this next year because um, I still do not have a clearly defined thesis proposal, which I should have had a year ago, and... A professor of mine from last semester asked me recently if I would be a teaching assistant for him in an intro to theology course that he's teaching next semester, which I was honored to be asked to do and graciously accepted, and now I'm terrified that I am grossly unqualified to be a teaching assistant for a theology class. So I've got all of that. Um, just shaking me to my core right now (laughs) as I face this oncoming semester. And in the meantime, also here at the table, this community that uh, my wife and my kids and I are a part of, I have stepped into more of a role uh, of helping to coordinate and lead the elements of music and art that we use in our liturgy. I am a part of this preaching cohort. I've been a part of this for about a year and a half. And I'm also in the midst of discerning ordination, I think. So, <laughs> okay, so there we go. Apparently, it is to be so. So, <laughs> so I, I have all of that in front of me, and I'm, I'm in the midst of. And again, just to reiterate, I feel terribly uh, underqualified to be doing any of these things. And I constantly have the sneaking suspicion that at any moment, uh, the jig is going to be up and I'm going to be exposed for the fraud that I know that I am. And even as I say this out loud, it sounds ridiculous, but this, I believe, is a narrative that has been playing in me, in, me, in my bones, <laughs> for years, if not decades. And and believing these things and living into those, uh, into those insecurities has made it difficult for me to feel like I'm actually really known by anyone, and maybe even myself. So all this, all this builds up to last week, Wednesday morning, I was home alone because my wife, Miranda, who's a teacher, and my children all were back in school, and I'm home alone with my thoughts, which is not a good thing for me sometimes, <laughs> And I went to run some errands, so I stop off at the post office, and I leave the post office with just this, this overwhelming sense of loneliness and sadness, which is to be expected maybe when you've gone to the post office, <laughs> at least in my experience. <laughs> but I leave with just this, this terrible sense of sadness and loneliness that causes me to, I get in my car, and I'm getting ready to drive to run another errand, and I I take out my phone and I turn on the Voice Memo app and I just start emotionally vomiting to my phone, who's now my therapist, apparently. (laughs) And as I'm doing this for about the next five minutes as I'm driving to the hardware store, I am naming all of the ways that I feel um, unknown and the ways that I felt lonely recently. And it it causes me to just sink into this spiral of of shame and defeat. Have you ever felt like that? Just defeated, uh, unable to be honest with others about your emotions. This idea of loneliness um, was, I think, just... Uh, it was intensified by the fact that I was home alone and the, everybody else had gone back to work and school. And so it made me think of this song by one of my favorite theologians and poets, uh, Jeff Tweedy, who uh, wrote a song that uh, was on his band Wilco's uh, album from about 20 years ago called Summer Teeth. And the song is called How to Fight Loneliness. And briefly, some of the lyrics of this song are how to fight loneliness, smile all the time, Shine your teeth till meaningless and sharpen them with lies. That's how you fight loneliness. You laugh at every joke. Drag your blanket blindly and fill your heart with smoke. That's how you fight it. Just smile all the time. And as I sat in my car listening to the song over and over and over again, again, probably not a great idea. (laughs) For me, these lyrics... These lyrics uh, narrated some deep sense of feeling unknown and dislocated for me, even when, I'm not, even when I'm surrounded by other people, even when I'm not alone. I put on a smile, I laugh, I'm self-deprecating, I avoid telling the truth about who I am and about what I'm feeling. For me, it's much easier to fake vulnerability by beating myself up Uh, and it only leads to me living in a spiral of shame that keeps me from feeling like anyone actually knows me. But friends, today we proclaim this good news again that the lonely and the broken and the vulnerable are not cast aside in the kingdom of God. We have a king who is good, who is gentle, who stands with us in our weakness, And lifts us up so that we can stand with him to participate in the life of God. In today's uh, text from Isaiah that Isaiah read for us earlier. It's a portion of Isaiah that is often referred to as second Isaiah. The first 39 chapters of the book of Isaiah. The prophet is accusing Israel of betraying covenant, of idolatry, of oppressing the poor, and the prophet is here to pronounce God's judgment of Israel's infidelities, to be exacted by the nations. And so in Israel's history, Samaria, the capital of of, uh, the northern kingdom of Israel, is around 722, is conquered by the Assyrians, and around 200 years later, In about 586, Babylon comes along and squashes the southern kingdom of Judah. Jerusalem crumbles, and the people of Israel are scattered. Some are left to live in the desolated homeland, and many are taken away to Babylon to live in exile. So for almost 50 years, the people of Israel and Judah live as a fractured community. They've suffered shame And defeat at the hands of imperial military powerhouses. And they're left to wonder, what does this all mean? Who are we? Does God even have us in mind anymore? Is our God really as strong as we say he is? Why has he allowed this to happen to us? Is he done with us? Is God finished with us? And so... Second Isaiah, the prophet promises hope and restoration of Israel. And so what we heard today was uh, the first of one of four often referred to as servant songs in the book of Isaiah. Announcing God's servant who is anointed by God's spirit who raises up to restore justice. The anointed one who brings God to light doesn't do this by flattening God's enemies, by becoming the loudest and the biggest and the strongest, but by protecting the vulnerable and guarding the weak, the bruised reeds, the, those whose, whose wicks are faint. The author of Isaiah proclaims good news for the people of Israel who've been left feeling defeated, trying to discern who they are what they mean if anything to the world to history to their god and god will not allow them to be distinct to be extinguished but will make them a light to the nations isaiah says god's intentions are to restore justice or how things ought to be as one Jewish um, translation of this passage defines it, how things ought to be. That is God's intention, to restore things to how they ought to be for Israel and for the nations, for all creation. The lonely, the broken, the vulnerable are not cast aside in the kingdom of God. We have a gentle good king. And he stands with us in our weaknesses to lift us up so that we can stand with him and participate in the life of God. Jesus, in Matthew's gospel, in the 12th chapter of Matthew's gospel, Jesus identifies with this passage that we heard read today from Isaiah. Isaiah. And earlier in Matthew's gospel, the gospel passage we heard today, Jesus enters the waters of baptism. And much to John's bewilderment, he offers himself as an answer to John's call for all people to repent. This is what it looks like for the word of God to become incarnate, to take on flesh as a righteous act of solidarity with us, with all creation, Jesus unites himself with those to whom he came for. Isaiah goes on to say, I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness, and I will take hold of your hand. I will keep you, and I will make you to be a covenant for the people. And a light for the Gentiles, to open eyes that are blind, to free captives from prison, and to release from the dungeon those who sit in darkness. In solidarity, friends, Jesus, with Jesus, we can hear this claim that Isaiah makes on us as people who've been called by God to work for reconciliation and justice. For how things ought to be. Jesus heard the words of Isaiah and he received them as powerful, maybe, as anybody possibly could. And these words from the prophet captured Jesus' imagination. Can we receive that good news today and allow it to capture our imagination to how we can? join with what God is doing, to stand with him in our weakness and in the weakness of others. I wanted to share this quick story from about a week and a half ago. I was, a bunch of people from our community were at the Crawford's house, John and Marissa's house, for dinner. And at one point during our evening there, their three-year-old son, Atticus, came up to me and he said, Mr. Joel, and I got down, and I said, and if, if, you've, if you know Atticus, he, is the, he has the most gentle, sweetest little voice. He said, Mr. Joel? I said, yeah, buddy. He said, I, just, I wanted to tell you, I think you play really good. And it undid me. <laughs> I, I know he, what he was referring to. He was talking about, on Sunday mornings, when I'm up here leading music, he was saying... To me, that thing that you do that you don't think you're very good at, I see you. And so I said, uh, you don't know how much that means to me, buddy. Like, truly, that's good news for me. And he said, I have a guitar. I said, you, you do? Really? He said, yeah, it didn't used to have a string, but now mommy and daddy got a string for it. I said, okay, not quite sure what that means. Your guitar has one string? He said, do you want to see my guitar? I said, I would love to see your guitar. So he walks me me into his room and shows me, he's got this little ukulele, right? And it has, I notice, a rope or piece of cord yarn around it, like a guitar strap. So I'm thinking, oh, he has a guitar strap now. He can stand up and play like he sees me do on Sunday mornings, is what I'm thinking at least. It's all about me. So, so I say, that's awesome, buddy. Can you can you play me a song? So he sort of just gingerly like runs his fingers across the strings. Looks like he's just sort of like looking out, and and then he says, you know, I think someday, I think someday when I'm bigger, I could stand up and play with you. And I, yes, one hundred percent. Yes, it yes. This three-year-old boy. Uh, saw me, and he spoke to one of my deepest insecurities. Uh, I have a difficult time feeling like I belong and that I have worth to a community. And this child, in his gentle voice, proclaimed good news into those parts of me that needed it. And for some reason, I was able to receive it and believe it. Where do we need to hear and receive the good news this morning of God's solidarity and tender heart for us this morning? Maybe you feel a sense of defeat at work or school. Maybe the work that you do feels unimportant. And maybe you're struggling to see any value that you have outside of what you do Maybe you're experiencing loneliness in relationships with family or with friends. And maybe your fear of rejection makes it difficult for you to be truly vulnerable to even the people close to you. Maybe you literally have been beaten up by the world and told you don't matter. Maybe you're just overwhelmed by the things you see going on in the world right now, whether it has to do with the fires burning in Australia, whether it has to do with the political landscape, things going on right in our own neighborhoods. It can be overwhelming. But today, we proclaim and receive this good news that the lonely and the broken and the vulnerable are not cast aside in the kingdom of God, friends. We have a king who is good, who is gentle, who stands with us in our weakness. And he lifts us up to stand with him so that we can participate fully in the life of God. In the name of the Father and the Son. In the Holy Spirit. Amen.